0: You're listening to Wait, How Do You Spell That?, a rare disease podcast. My name is Colby, and I'm the content manager here at PatientWorthy. And today we're going to be discussing Jordan's syndrome. It's an extremely rare neurological disorder caused by mutation of several key genes, and it's characterized by severe developmental delay. To help in our discussion, we have a very special guest. Carol Bacos is the project director for Jordan's Guardian Angels, a nonprofit dedicated to research as well as support for patients with this condition and their families. Carol, welcome to the show.
1: Yes. Hi. Thank you.
0: Thank you for making the time to come on. To start with, uh, would you mind providing us with an overview of Jordan's syndrome for listeners who may not be familiar with the condition?
1: Sure. So Jordan syndrome is a rare genetic mutation. It's affecting less than 250 individuals worldwide today. It's a misspelling predominantly in the gene PPP2R5D. So if you think of our DNA as a novel with 3 billion letters, we all have typos or impurities in our DNA. For most of us, we live our lives unaffected. And really unaware of these changes. But in our patients' community, and most of them are children, the misspelling or the typo happens in a gene that makes a difference. And there's really a wide spectrum of how the mutation affects our individuals. But for the most part, there are some common characteristics, such as macrocephaly or larger head size, hypotonia or low muscle tone, as well as the global developmental delays. And they could be dealing with a slew of medical challenges such as epilepsy, autism, feeding or GI challenges, vision differences, poliosis, just to name a few. And Georgian syndrome uh, is diagnosed through genetic testing and the whole exome sequencing or WES is usually the test that most of our families get their diagnosis through. And what it does, it maps our genes and compares them to our birth parents and then identifies what's unique to us that could be leading to these differences. But there are other subgenetic tests that can flag Jordan syndrome as well. So some of that could be through an epilepsy panel or autism panel as a few examples.
0: And what are some of the challenges faced by Jordan syndrome patients and their families?
1: Oftentimes, these challenges start right at birth. About half of our population had difficulty at birth, and that could be trouble breathing or dealing with seizures right away. And these challenges continue, and they start by showing up as missing milestones, so our children might not sit when your typical child might or uh, might be delayed in walking or talking. Some might have feeding trouble from the get-go and might require feeding tubes. So this usually triggers families to go on that diagnosis journey, you know, where you start testing and doing MRIs and EAGs. And if you're lucky, you get referred to the right doctor that does some genetic testing to get your answer. And when you are dealing with a child that has all these challenges and the unknown that this brings... It really takes over your life in many ways. You are rushing from one therapy to another and from one doctor's appointment to another. And oftentimes you have at least one family member having to leave their job to play that role of caregiver and someone that is able to take the child to all these appointments. And then for the individuals themselves, they always have to work extra hard to achieve what comes natural to most. And a big percentage of our community are nonverbal. And that brings its own set of challenges and frustrations for the families. And then in many ways, our children and families are living with the stigma of uh, this society puts on individuals with disability. It's, It's a difficult journey. And oftentimes, families require support themselves or find themselves having to support their children in the long term but none of that really takes away from the joys that this journey brings in any way you know you find that many of our families and children go through every day with a lot of grace and a lot of courage and love and joy and we're able to cheer each other on and really appreciate the small wins every day
0: and I know that connection among rare disease patients is always so super important.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, they're lifeline. I don't think we, we could do that any other way.
0: Compared to other rare conditions, Jordan's syndrome was first described relatively recently in medical literature. Uh, can you tell us more about the history of this condition and the founding of Jordan's Guardian Angels?
1: PPP2R5D was first linked to global delays in literature in late 2015. And the online community started shortly after that. And at that point we had four families and now we're close to 200 families worldwide. And oftentimes rare diseases get very little attention when it comes to finding the right interventions or treatments or, or cures. And it's often left up to families that are impacted by the disease to take on yet another challenge and really drive to get to these answers. Right? So Jordan's Guardian Angels was founded by Cynthia and Joe Lang. Uh, their daughter, Jordan, was one of the first diagnosed with this rare disease, and now it's named after her, Jordan's Syndrome. And what Jordan's Guardian Angels is doing, they're really leading the research into better understanding the syndrome and trying to find treatments or even it cures. And the foundation has been able to assemble a group of clinicians, researchers, scientists, the best in their field to join our effort in getting these answers that our children really need and and deserve. They are all motivated by our families and by our children and are working super hard and very fast to get us there. And as a foundation and a community, I mean, we've come a very long way since 2015 when this became a thing. And here we are today with a goal and a plan, the right motivation, And we're really just going full steam ahead.
0: I know you also have a child with Jordan's syndrome. Can you tell us a little more about that and how you became involved with Jordan's Guardian Angels?
1: Sure. So my daughter, Yara, she's eight today, but she was diagnosed with Jordan's syndrome at the age of two. So six years now. She was part of that community that had trouble at birth. And when she was missing her milestones at the beginning We thought that they were linked to her rough start. And as many of our families, uh, you know, we started doing the tests and uh, EEGs and MRIs. And then when, you know, after a while she wasn't really catching up, that's when our doctor started telling us maybe something else was happening. And we were the lucky few that were uh, sent to see genetics and At that point, my husband and I, we didn't really understand. Like when you hear genetics, people think these are inherited diseases. And we didn't realize that there's a slew of genetic conditions that are de novo, and they just start with the individual. When we started on that path, we didn't think that could be the case for each from a different part of the world. I'm like, how can it be genetic, right? We know better today, of course, but... Um, Then we got our answer and we were lucky in the sense that we were diagnosed shortly after that first publication. So if we had done that test a few months earlier, we might not have known and that journey would have never started for us. So that's when, you know, we jumped right on to see first, how can we support her? What kind of therapies and uh, interventions that she needs? She's been doing over 10 hours of intervention a week since she was three months old and she hasn't stopped, you know, eight years later. Uh, But also we, you know, went online and connected with a Facebook group that another mom had just started just a few weeks ago when they got their diagnosis. And that's how we became part of the community. And at that point, you know, I uh, became one of the admins on the group and started welcoming new families. And one of these families we welcomed was Joe and Cynthia Lang when they found our group. And, you know, Joe and I had like this heart to heart conversation. It's always very, very rewarding to talk to another parent that has been in your shoes and know exactly what you're going through. Uh, he shared that they have this foundation, Jordan's Garden Angels. I was in the process of creating, you know, a foundation to do that work, and then we decided, you know what, this foundation is already there. Time is of essence. And they were, you know, very graceful to say, let's kind of modify the mission of what we do to include this research. And ask me to kind of be part of that effort and as a you know, project manager for the research. And and we've been going very strong with that since. And, you know, I feel very fortunate in many ways. That's how our journey to calm. like for many families that get their diagnosis and they feel helpless or non-enabled in any ways. And that has not been our journey. So I'm very thankful for that. And our daughter today is just this fantastic little girl. And she just lights up every room she walks into. She's has a great sense of humor. She's loving. She loves music and baking and books and You know, we couldn't have asked for anything better all around. So, you know, while it's been challenging and not what we've expected, it's really been rewarding in many ways. And I'm thankful to be playing a small role in the big picture of it all.
0: As you mentioned, one of your organization's main missions is supporting research into the mutations on the genes responsible for this condition. Can you tell us more about the research efforts being piloted by Jordan's Guardian Angels?
1: So shortly after, you know, we got the diagnosis and the group started forming, we reached out to a group of 10 scientists and researchers and we asked them, hey, we are this family organization, we have children dealing with this syndrome, you're Work is directly or indirectly related to what we're trying to do. Would you be part of our team to help us do this? And we were shocked and pleasantly surprised that every single one of them said yes. And our team quickly met in 2017 for the first time and we put together a plan. You know, and the first few years we spent building what we've been calling like a toolbox. So we built a patient's registry, collected medical and history data on all the individuals affected by the disease. We have a publication hopefully coming out later this year that would really be a better description of the syndrome and impacts. We also worked on creating iPSCs or induced pluripotent stem cells, and they are derived from our children, from blood samples or skin samples, and they really act like little brains in a dish, and that allows our team to study the syndrome at a cell level. We've also created mice models and we're studying their behaviors, their seizures, activities, cognitive impacts. We've developed nanobodies that are derived from alpacas and created 3D models of the protein. So once we had that initial toolbox ready and full, we were put in that position where we're ready to start stage two of this uh, research. And you know, for our children, time is really of essence, like every day or week or year that goes by is another year where our children are not getting the right treatments or cures and that they really need to improve their quality of life. So with that in mind, what Jordan's Garden Angels uh, and our research team are doing, we're attacking this in two parallel paths. So the first one is through drug development. We believe that this gene mutation affects the function of the brain, but not the structure. So in theory, there's a drug that our children can take and takes that effect away of uh, the misspelling. But the catch is uh, that this drug doesn't exist today, right? So we are working towards getting there. And our hope is that we can find an FDA approved drug that we can tweak and make it work for Jordan syndrome. And this is in an effort to shorten that time required to get from the lab into our children, right? So if we can find a drug that is already approved that uh, we can make work for us, that would be the quickest path there. Another path we're uh, launching is genetic intervention. one of the ways we're doing that through ASOs or antisense oligonucleotides, it's a mouthful, but really what it does is it modifies the bad copy of the gene. So our uh, we all have two copies of every gene, but in our children's case, one of the copies has in the spelling. So the ASO goes into the body and it kind of shuts down the bad copy. And the hope is that the good copy will take over and restore function. The thing with ASO though, is they have to be administered every three to four months, their effect goes away. They're done through a spinal injection. So the development and the impact are very beneficial, but they have to be repeated for the life of the individual. So that's why we're hoping that we can use that knowledge from the ASO and create that one and done kind of genetic intervention where using, you know, these cutting edge technologies, we can go in and kind of fix the gene almost and get our children what we're calling cure today, right? So, and then in parallel, we're of course doing all that preclinical work and we're starting our natural history study, getting all of that data ready. So when we have these solutions and we're ready for clinical trials, we have everything we need. There are really a lot of people working on this. You know, every one of our uh, team members have built their team and we almost have, you know, one for every student or researcher studying this for every two to three patients living with a disease. So there's an army of uh, very motivated, very smart individuals working on this, and we're hoping to really get there as soon as we can.
0: And an interesting aspect of this research is that, of course, genetic expression is very complex, and these genes are not just involved in Jordan's syndrome. Uh, They've also been linked to other conditions, such as Alzheimer's disease, epilepsy, and cancer. Uh, Can you tell us some more about that?
1: So the genes that are part of our research are PPP, 2R5D, 2R1A, and 2R5C, and All these genes are part of the PP2A pathway, and that pathway has been linked to many of the other conditions that you just named. So this research really has the potential of shedding light on these other conditions and impacting lives, not just for our Jordan syndrome community, but way beyond. And this is, you know, very rewarding for everyone involved because it has potential to change just so many lives. We are very adamant in everything we do as a foundation, and our team is on board with that, that any discoveries, anything that uh, we come up with needs to be made available to the public to use. You know, this is really the only way that we can advance, especially in the rare space. You know, we need to be building on each other's work rather than everyone recreating the real.
0: Being a genetic disorder, Jordan syndrome is, is not currently curable, as, as we've been discussing. Uh, and with these types of conditions, treatment often moves towards symptom management. Uh, what does the treatment landscape currently look like for Jordan's syndrome?
1: Let me start by saying that we are working towards a treatment and a cure, right, as I described earlier. And we don't believe that this is a far-fetched dream. We're really focused to get us there and... We're looking at the most optimized way to get us there, and we are getting closer every day. But you're right, in the meantime, it's all about symptoms management. Many of our children with a disease are followed by a long list of specialists. And to be honest, most of them have never treated someone with Jordan syndrome before. In many cases, have never heard of Jordan syndrome before the parents and the families find themselves in a position where they have to be the experts and they have to share their knowledge and what we learn through our online community with everyone else. But what we found really important for our community is the advantage of early intervention and being able to access these therapies and interventions early on to maximize development of our children. They're very capable, unfortunately, they just have to work super hard to reach these milestones, but they can. And the more, you know, we support them and believe in them, the more they do. So, you know, all the therapies that come along with that. And, you know, I mentioned my daughter does over 10 weeks of therapy a week and that she's not unique in that a lot of our families are in the same boat. And for our subset of our families that deal with seizures, they have to do, you know, the seizure management, then get those under control through um, meds or diet or a combination to really be able to focus on these other developmental things that they have to deal with. And you really need to look at every aspect of your child and look at how to support that. So, some of our children require feeding tubes because they have failure to thrive or uh, trouble feeding. Some uh, require some behavioral support later in life. And many require uh, help with communication support, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, but really to enable them to express themselves. Themselves and be able to play a role in their development and in their upbringing.
0: What advice do you have for any parents out there whose child is newly diagnosed with Jordan syndrome?
1: You know, the advantage that newly diagnosed parents have today that we didn't have when we first started on this journey, that a community already exists. A research is already uh, going on full speed. A foundation is already in place that is advocating for our children. So really, the advice is, first of all, connect with all of that, right? Connect with the community and see how you can be supported and give support to others because we really depend on each other. And this journey would look a lot different without that connection, And also look at the foundation and the research and how can you contribute to that. And a lot of times it's a simple fact of kind of joining the research effort, providing the information, the data for your child. Because we are it. We are starting this movement from the ground up. And if we don't do that, no one else will. No one else will represent your child you have to, your child represents your child. So really look at how to get involved with that and be part of that effort and really help us. Like if we don't understand the syndrome, we can't find a treatment. If we can't find a treatment, we can't support our children. But really outside of that all, my main advice is to not let this diagnosis be a limiting factor for you and your family life is going to be challenging in different ways it's going to be different than what you thought your life is going to be but you're going to be okay your child is going to be okay and that you'll take the time you need and for some it's weeks for some it's years but you'll get to that point where you're you understand that this is just a different reality different than what you thought before but really what your child needs from you is that support that encouragement, and you believing that they can. Our children amaze us every single day in so many ways. And it's up to us to cheer them on, to believe in them, to share them with the world, and really to make sure this world is ready to what they have to offer. It might be different, but it's still there, and it's still important, and it's still valuable. So get yourself supported, really understand what is happening, take advantage of all the great efforts that are already in place, and together we can do this.
0: I know that Jordan's Guardian Angels has an important event coming up in November. It's a virtual gala on National Children's Day. Can you tell us more about that? Sure.
1: So uh, we have our virtual gala coming up on November 20th. And uh, it starts at 9 a.m. Pacific time on our website. It's a free event, so it's open to all our communities in every country. And we have a special performance by America's Got Talent star Christian Gardino. There's silent auction. Um, there's going to be you know presentation about uh, our efforts. You get a chance to see our children and our families. Uh, it's really, you know, it, it's a fundraising event, but it, the most important part is it's us reaching out and spreading awareness and telling our stories because no one else will. So uh, check us out and uh, join us on November 20th and tell your friends.
0: Sounds like a great time. If someone wants to get involved with Jordan's Guardian Angels, where can they find more information and what's the best way to help out?
1: If you go to our website, JordansGardenAngels.org. You can connect with us on any of the social media channels or email us directly through that. And really, the best way to get involved is learn a little more about Jordan syndrome, learn a little more about what we're doing and the effort that is underway, and maybe tell one more person about it. So if you're listening to this, just tell one more person about this rare disease, about these 200 families living on this journey that most the rest of the world don't even know it's a thing and check out our events such as our uh, you know virtual events and help us cheer on our children and celebrate their milestones just like we do and we recently launched a podcast a rare reality it's uh, on our website for the video version but it's also on wherever you listen to your podcast Um, i'll encourage you to find us and listen to Uh, What we have to say, and it's not all Jordan syndrome related. While we do uh, use the forum to spread awareness about Jordan syndrome, but also we have we have this ambition to play a bigger role when it comes to advocacy and awareness and and rare disease space as a whole. So we hope that many of uh, our listeners will, you know, find it useful and share it with their friends. Check us out and let us know what you think.
0: Well, Carol, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show to introduce our audience to Jordan's Syndrome and the important work that Jordan's Guardian Angels is providing. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you today.
1: Thank you so much, Colby. Thank you for creating this space for us to share our journey. And I look forward to listening to what others have to say on this podcast.
0: Of course. And if you'd like to learn more about Jordan's Guardian Angels or their upcoming virtual gala on National Children's Day, You can find out more information by visiting their website at www.jordansguardianangels.org. Also, be sure to check out their podcast, which again is called A Rare Reality. You can find that on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And we'll also leave a link in the show notes for uh, both their website and the podcast so that you can check those out. Remember, you can always keep up with the latest in rare disease news by visiting patientworthy.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for patientworthy on those platforms. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It may seem like a small thing, but a review or rating really does go a long way toward helping us out. Finally, if you have any questions about the podcast or perhaps an idea for a future episode, you can get in touch with me by sending an email to colby at patientworthy.com. That does it for today's episode. Thank you once again to Carol Bakos from Jordan's Guardian Angels for joining us on the show today. And as always, thank you for listening.